With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomOfTheGiants.com. Today's Wednesday, the 31st of October. It's Halloween. My name is Patrick Smith. What a weekend for the Belfast Giants. A real battle, a short bench side, four points from two overtime victories. We are going to talk all about that in a second. We're also going to hear from Adam Keith. We're going to be chatting and asking your TFA questions to Blair Riley. And ahead of this weekend's 3-3 three and three in Scotland, we'll be catching up with an old mate in Omar Pasha. But speaking of which, we talked about you know people being on the bench and how we were going to uh, sideline people. You know, One of the guys, one of the pundits every week. Um, last week, Joel was on the sideline. This week, Joel's on the sideline because... Um, He's too busy down at Westminster Hobnobby with MPs. Davey McGimsey, how are you? I'm okay, Paddy. I gotta admit, it was a it was a very long week. I uh I didn't take my benching kindly, but uh, you know, we get on with it and uh You worked hard. Joel, uh, yeah, it was dug deep. Was dug, dug deep and uh I've actually sent a squad down to London. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Joel's uh Joel Joel's currently uh I've just got Sammy Wilson talking the ears of him, so uh, Joel's had to stay in. <laughs> yeah, Joel's had to stay in London, and uh, it's, it's me and Cez again this week. Yeah, Mister Kitchen, how are you? I'm very well, gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed. We're going to get cracking, and let's start by talking about the game at the Drizzle Dome on Saturday night. Faced off a little bit later. Uh, it was due to face off at seven. I think it must have faced off about what twenty past seven after the after the remembrance ceremony that took place beforehand. Um, but when it did, the Manchester Storm were defeated in overtime by the Belfast Giants 4-3. The scoring, well, Luke Moffat opened the scoring pretty early, uh, only one minute and four seconds into the game. Now, that's not to say there wasn't a, wasn't anything after that because there's quite a bit of incident through the game. But Blair Riley, who we'll be talking to later, was able to pull it to 1-1. And on 15 minutes into the first period, Darcy Murphy, was he was able to make it. It's a 2-1 game. We're playing great. Yeah. Giants <laughs> uh, leading 2-1 at the end of the first. Into the second period on the power play, Kyle Bond makes it 3-1 before Mike Hammond threads the eye of the needle in between pad and post and Beskarowani and makes it 3-2. An absolute stonker of a shot. We'll talk about that in a second. Chris Auger with just under four minutes left, was able to make it 3-3, possibly against the run of play. Um, and that forced overtime. And the Giants were pretty much dominant in overtime. And it was David Rutherford with a lovely finish 
past Matkin to make it 4 3. Uh, in goals, I said Matkin got the loss. 52 saves off 56 shots. The other side, Tyler Beskarwani with the win. 26 saves off 29 shots. Your referees of the night, and I know we're going to discuss this, are Dean Smith and Matt Rose. Um, let's talk about the result before we come on to the major incidents. Says I'll start with you. The Giants were ended up a bit short benched, not only starting the game without the likes of Vandermeer, Dwyer, Shields, no Matt Toad, no Mark Garside, no Andrew Dixon. You know, they actually going into what is a small, tight rink, tight ice, place that over the last couple of years we've had quite a bit of difficulty and had a real battle on our hands in this game. Yeah, um, I was up at practice last week and Adam was doing a lot of drills, concentrating on literary compactness, if that's the word. Um, you know, literally putting everything down. I know it's, we, we skate on an Olympic size rink um, and it's slightly smaller in Manchester. And, and are you allowed know to say Manchester now? Neutral <laughs> gender, Chester. Um, but uh, I'll train him. <laughs> Drizzle Dome. Um, <laughs> I think a drizzle that was probably too nice a tackle for it, but anyway, the the pad itself, you know, it, when it, when you're playing, you used to playing on such a big surface, and you have to come inside a little bit more, and, and obviously, you know, Manchester have big big bodies in that lineup as well, which we will talk about very shortly. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, watching Adam prepare and putting the detail into it, and letting you know getting everybody up and ready for it, uh, and and going going in there and picking up those two points was was pretty impressive. It's it's going to be. Every team's going to have hassles in there this year. Um, you know, good refereeing is essential. Um, we'll come back to that. But <laughs> there's a lot to know, come back to in this. There, 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 there certainly is. But the, the, you, especially coming in short benched, you know, you're missing Colin Shields, you're missing Patrick Dwyer, Jim Vandermeer, Mark Garcia. Coey still hasn't got going yet uh, this season, um, and obviously, you know, Dicko has, has been a healthy scratch. But missing those bodies is all. Any team in the league would miss every single one of those guys. Every one of them. Um, and then losing Frankie and Furley in the first period. Yep. On top of that, you've got uh, Riles, who's basically got sitting for 17 minutes. You've got Curtis Leonard, who's sitting mm-hmm. for 17 minutes. And at one stage, we were down to 4D and 7 forwards. That's what we were down to. Guys sitting in the penalty box. Guys leaving the, the ice and obviously having to get treatment for for uh, injuries, and to come out with those two points from that uh, that battle um, in Altrincham was probably the most impressive game that they've had this season um, to date. Because the next night, we'll, again, we'll come back to. But you know, big goal from from Riley to get us off and running. Obviously, they they scored very early. Uh, what a move from Darcy Murphy behind the net, banking yeah. off the back of the net to get a touch of it. <laughs> Throwing it right through the crease and rises an empty net to, to basically tie things up. And then Murphy scored the, the go-ahead goal to, to lead at the end of the first period. 2-1. It's a 2-1 game. We're period. playing great. And, you know, 2-1 um, leading into the next goal with Bonner scored in a power play. And I thought we were in good shape. And then again, Nani, or, sorry, Manchester coming back. Uh, that ended up tying things up with a few minutes to go. And Rudy with a, an absolute wonder goal top shelf. To, uh, to win it in overtime as well. So overall, I thought we thoroughly deserved it. I actually thought we dominated uh, with even have such a, such a short bench. You know, I think, wasn't it 56, you said? 56 shots against yep. 29, Paddy? Yep. Um, 
we you did know, dominate. There's no, there's uh, no doubt about that. Says I think we actually did dominate that game. And the fact that what frustrated me the most was the fact that we were, that they actually did bring it back to three three, which I didn't think was warranted. Uh, do you know what? You you're probably in a much better place because we're only watching TV. You know, with the greatest respect, the video coming from Manchester is awful. It's 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 not good enough for what you what your what the product you want to basically have on the on the on the computer on the TV in the living room whatever it may be you were there you're probably in a better place to have a comment about this than Davey and um, Davey and I are but um you know the whole game it, it was a really good game to watch you know I, I thoroughly enjoyed it I like the rough stuff but coming back to the first incident with Bars. Do you want to talk about that, or do you want well, to? Well, I'm going to I'm going to move it over to Davy here. Just to let him have his say because, well, and we can move on to that, Davy, if you'd like. Because in that first period, and as as I said, it actually was an entertaining game. There's a little bit of old school hockey to it. There was a gripe between it. There was a real edge to it, and you know the Giants were pretty impressive. Yeah, getting out to that that you know conceding the goal in the first sort of 65 seconds isn't ideal. You're up against and they go in that little little barn. Sam has spoke about how compact you have to be and you know, coughing the goal up is not ideal. The way we came back and we took complete control of the game, I know we had 59 shots on target or something. There are 73 shots off the course of the evening, all on off block, thanks to the stack guys there for, for getting me those stats before the podcast. Um, you know, we, we were in pretty much control of the game. Disappointing to cough up the goal right, yeah. you know, with, with three minutes or something left in the game. We just couldn't relieve the pressure there. They kept coming and kept coming. So, you know, Credit to them as, they, as well in, in one respect that they, they fought to get back into the game. But um, that goal in, in overtime, is a, it's a thing. Of the, the the move Rochi pulls behind the net and then the, the outlet pass, sort of going three-line pass and, uh, and yep. really just going in. Just and sends free. Um, set it free. I think we'll, we'll, we'll have that to tweet up. I'm not sure whether they've got the highlights out there or not yet, but um, we have that. We can, we can tweet up after the podcast. But yeah, it showed it was good character win, um, you know, from from going behind and getting back into it and leading to, to getting pegged back and, and then coming away in the three-on-three overtime. You have to call it three-on-three overtime. Paddy, it's, right? it's, it's, it's a trademark. It's, it's, it's um, contracted to call it that. And, and Adam Keefe is a coach too in, uh, in overtime, which, you know, notoriously as a as an organ, as an organisation, we, we are statistically pretty poor in overtime over the years, but uh, Adam Keefe, four and two on Saturday, obviously then moving on to Sunday, making a five and two, another overtime win, which we'll come on to. But, you know, if you, if you, would take the hit on yeah. uh, on um, Frankie. Yes, uh, Dave Frankie's Myers. Front, and uh, for me, it's a hit. He doesn't unnecessary hit. Um, Frankie element of responsibility coming around behind the net, his head up, but he has leveled him blindside, and you know that's a game penalty all day long. Um, he should be he should be going home. You know, going and getting the first use of the hot water there. But uh, it's it's one of those, and then things and and. Then, then you've other bad hits that come. We'll talk to Captain later on, you know, and uh, other things happen around the game then, and fights happen, and other bad hits happen because those things aren't stamped down on quick enough. For me, that is a really, it's a suspensionable hit. Why is it not being pulled up by Dobbs? Well, uh, you know, Simon for me on Saturday night and asked me could I uh, could I get the this clip and this clip and this clip cut and just the footage just is. It's like something your uncle Jimmy would record at a at a family wedding, you know, with his big orange camcorder from nineteen eighty eight. It's just it's really, really poor quality footage. It's 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 grainy, it's VHS quality, you know. I think there'll be something done by Michael Hicks going forward 
that you know there has to be a certain level of footage required. Yeah, because if it's about player safety, then you have to have the footage to, to re-educate players as well. This is what you can't do. They can't do anything with that hit. They can't. They can't cut the ten seconds of footage that I have and send it to anybody. And go. Don't you don't want to be doing this? This is a classic case of what not to do because the footage is that poor. But it's still for me principal point of contact, shoulder to head, uh, and it's a dangerous hit. Should have been suspension. One hundred percent. I think it should have been a suspension. And then later on in the game, as was mentioned, Kieran Long goes high on Jonathan Ferland, and he's on the ice now. There's two parts of this season, not just the hit. The, the the footage is again not great. It sort of happens behind behind the play. You can just see it in the corner, but it's it's not conclusive. It leaves fairly prone on the ice. And then we come to the refing side of it because Long goes at it with who did he end up? Curtis Leonard. Curtis Leonard, Leonard yeah. Leonard, Leonard feeds him his dinner, drags him back up off the ice, back onto his feet and continues. But Dean Smith, instead of leaving that to his linesman, just stands beside Ferland and watches. I think that's an absolute disgrace. As an official, his priority is to make sure that those players are safe. You know what? I know the camera wasn't very good. Um, the camera work. Not that actually, I don't want to criticize the camera on. He's only using the tools that he has. So, um, but the, the quality uh, of the officiating, officiating, sorry, on that that play alone was absolutely dire, and it needs to be better. This league has, you know, it has improved in every aspect over the last few years, and that includes the officiating. You've got to give him credit. You know, Hexie's basically, Hexie's been right in the middle of it for, you know, officiating for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Uh, and he stepped up to uh, director of hockey operations for the league. And from all intents and purposes, from what I'm hearing uh, from, you know, different uh, guys in the organization, he's done a very, very good job. But that that play alone and what, or what he didn't do and Dean Smith in this situation and did not attend to a player who looks to me as if he's out cold on the ice and not doing anything about it as an official. That shows an absolute lack of professionalism, and he needs to be reprimanded for that, in my opinion. Well, I, yeah. don't think, I don't think what he did on that play itself, if he's supposed to be paying attention to the safety of the players, not even calling... Now, yes, it's, it's difficult not because the tr- the teams don't travel with a physio. It's usually Taft comes on to make sure that if he can see if he can do anything. Yes, I, I'm, I'm led to believe that there's supposed to be a doctor um, for the home team in the rink uh, that that's playing on the night. I know the Giants always have one, um, but Furley was was out cold, and Dean Smith basically ignored him, and that is not good enough. It's not good enough. Dave, you were going to come in there or something. I was look on the fairly hit. I've seen enough of it to, to make a judgment. We've obviously have the benefit of the slow motion replays and the, the frame by frame sort of thing. He dumps the puck, and as he turns, he's hit, and he's obviously hit high because he's he's sparked. Um, appears to be anyway, a lamp prone on the ice, looks out cold, which we'd say he's either been hit in the head. Or his head has hit the ice. One of the two. It's inconclusive because it spins away. You don't. You see the initial impact. You don't see the follow up. I spoke to a referee over the weekend about uh, a few players about unnecessary hits. You know, there. I, I suppose there isn't really a rule within the game about. You know, there's rules about late hits and boards and all this kind of things and, and where in the body you can hit. But actually making a hit that 
doesn't one separate a player from the puck or two stop a player's ability to get back into the play. So you know, for me, th- th- there's only a few reasons to actually make a hit, and as I say, one of them is to separate the player from the puck so your team can get it, or stop that player, you know, making a play and getting back in. You know, so does he need to hit Jonathan? For- no, because it, it doesn't affect the game other than laying him out. There's a responsibility there on Jonathan Fernand to protect himself as he spins back into centre ice that he knows where the players come from. But the responsibility for me in a much larger percentage is with the other player just not to make that hit. He can avoid the hit. He can avoid contact because it doesn't do it doesn't add anything or take anything away from the game to let Jonathan Fernand spin off for a line change. Um, which is where he's hidden. And uh, he looks out cold in the ice. Dean Smith, to me, you've seen the footage. It's, it's on Manchester Storm TV. He skates over, has a look, kind of rolls his eyes, skates backwards. I don't know at that stage, should the referee be frantically blowing his whistle and waving the trainer on, the player that looks unconscious on the ice? Should he be down checking? The, you know, there's a, there's a whole raft of things that you're trained in, in first response, first aid. To somebody, if you came across somebody in the street like that, you would get help. So I, I, I'm with Simon that there there needs to be a bit of re-education there around what referees or what linesmen need to do. Okay, there's an altercation going on six feet away, but you know, for me, the the first sort of other officials has to be has to be the safety of the player who's prone on the ice. There are th- there are three other officials in that respect. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yes. Well, here I'll, I'll let Simon Kitchen have a say here because uh, they they get tucked in the to, to what he sees well, as. Poor things, but the, the 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 point about saying it, Dean Smith is Dean Smith that Dean Smith is part of a two man part of a four man team, yeah, part of a two man refereeing team, and I think it was Manny Rose Matt has Rose. to hold his hands up as well as that, you know, he's he's fifty percent of what's going on there. Neither did either of them get the hit, and no. did either of them follow up with a good good um, you know support of the player who's out cold. No, there was, there was another case just before you just the. the the Furland hit actually in the way he was prone on the ice reminded me of, I think we were up against the Phoenix at that same venue. Shane Johnson takes a hit behind the goal, the goal at the away end as well. And he's faced down. It's Matt Thompson was the referee at that point, And John, Johnny was left prone face down on the ice and the play continued. There was no whistle and Johnny ended up out of the game. And I think he was out for another couple of weeks after that. And, you know, it's incidents like that, that the referee has to be wise to. Now, okay. In that case, Matt Thompson was the only referee. He had two other linesmen. It is a four man team in this respect. Coming back to the refs is the other thing that frustrated, not just me in the stands, but a couple of ones around us was both in OT and in the third period, there were two instances when the hand goes up on on Dean Smith, and we saw it, there was no whistle, game continued, there was no penalty, and we ended up having to take the piss because you know if you're going to stick your hand up, you got to call a penalty. The bottom line is he has lost his balls. That's all it is. He puts his hand up. He knew exactly what he was calling because the incident happened right in front of the net when Kyle Bond had contact with our goaltender. There was no call on the play. Dean Smith was fully in view for the camera. Then the defenseman comes in, gives Bonner a bit of a shove. Bonner's back on his feet. Well, he sort of stumbled back on his feet. Their number nine comes in, puts the glove right into his face. Dean Smith puts his hand up. Straight away. Yep. He's absolutely in full view of the camera. Everybody was watching the webcast singing. Everybody. And then 
when the play develops, he even takes the bloody face off outside. That that was the most frustrating part of it. I was going absolutely bonkers because it was it was frozen down. The players frozen down, and there yeah. the, the the storm players were in the ear of um of Smith. He bottled yes. it and he pushes yep. the face off outside, 100%. and there's no reason for it. Absolutely, one hundred percent right, Paddy. You were there, as I say, but we've seen everything. The cameraman has a perfect view of it. He watches the guy, the referee, put his hand up. And just going back to what Davey said about Matt Rose being 50% of it, to be honest, you've got to give um, uh, Dean Smith a lot of credit because, to me, Matt Rose didn't do anything in that game. I don't think he, I, I don't think he called a bloody penalty. I don't think he was the previous sponsor for one of those penalties at all. Dean Smith, again, putting his, his, you know, getting stuck into the middle of it, that's fair enough. But see, when you put your hand up, have the and have the you know the professionalism to call the penalty that you're going to call. See if you're taking two players off. Go ahead and took two players off. It was a blatant penalty, and he lost his balls. Then it goes on to the next one. I can't even remember what it was because it was that off. But the charging call just at the end of the period. That's correct. So literally, the, the penalty Balmer. again. Balmer. As blatant as you want. I don't know how more you know prominent you want it to be. He puts his hand up. Everybody can see it, and then he doesn't call that again. So that's two power plays the chance I've lost out on. Don't get us started on the instigation rule because we'll be here all bloody night on it that. It was called but, quite a bit in that game. You know, the, 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 what about Blair Riley's hit? That's one of the best it. hits we've seen all season. This is the frustrating part of that whole game is the fact that there are so many isolated incidents in one game that when you boil it down, you think, you know, the Giants, and the Giants still dominated. The Giants still put 50-odd shots on again, 70-odd shots overall, as Davey said, and restricted the shots on best girl. However, when, when we ended up with two players out of the game, not just that night, but the following night, and there's no retribution, not just from the referee, there's no, but also subsequently from the Department of Player Safety, it leaves you frustrated. It leaves you thinking, you know, what what do we have to do? Manchester in itself played that sort of play that sort of edgy game, play that sort of some some would say dirty game that works for them in that ice, and also they try to play it. We'll talk about later in the game against Guildford Flames the following night. But you know, the Giants know that. But you expect the referee to offer some form of player safety, some form of retribution that we that we didn't get that night, which is more frustrating than, than anything. Now, I want to take it back to the Giants themselves before we move on to the Nottingham Panthers game. But, you know, going into overtime, I was coiled up like a spring. Yeah, I know that my friend Alex was next to me. I know Simon Harris, who was doing the commentary for for uh, Manchester Storm TV, was laughing because I was going absolutely ape over more or less every single move that took place in three-on-three overtime. As you are when you're caught up in the game like that, one player I want to single out, we, Tyler Brescorani was great, as he was, but one player I want to single out, Davey, for that game is a player seemed to be ever-present on the ice, and that's Josh Roach. He's had a great, he's had a great uh, weekend there, but he's had two, three weeks now, you know, probably more to be fair. Um, he's shouldering a lot of burn in regards to ice time. He's, you know, he's a guy who came in and he played D from day one, but, you know, could easily play forward if he needed to. He carries the puck really well. That outlet pass I talked about earlier on, you know, he, see, he sees the ice very well, I suppose, coming from North America where they would play on a rink more akin to the size of Manchester. Maybe, you know, the speed of the game. Suits him a little bit better than the speed of the game on the on the Olympic rink, where he's still still learning his trade on the two hundred foot ice. So you know, you only 
numbers don't tell you everything. You, like, you know, he's an assist on each of the each of the first three goals for the Belfast Giants there. What am I looking at? The next night. That's the next night. Really yourself back, anyway. No, no, I'm looking sorry, he's a he's a plus on the on the three. He's on the ice for the first three goals. I'm looking yeah. at plus minus here, sorry, rather than the points. So you know, but that that sort of goes along with what you're saying there about the, the quality of ice time. Simon so prefer to say close on forty minutes. I would say well out of the sixty five I would say he's, he's pushing 40 minutes. Absolutely. Easily. He seemed to be always on the ice. And he was brilliant. Yeah, He Which, was absolutely brilliant. You know, and uh, and it's great to see him doing what he's starting to settle in. Really, really. The straps now. And uh, big season come up for Josh Roach here, I feel. Absolutely. Right, let's, let's move it on to the Nottingham Panthers game. If you want to get the highlights of this game, they're usually up from Storm TV. As of, as of right now, I have us recording. They're not up yet. Um, I don't know why, but I'm sure they will be. And when they are, we'll give you the information at, at AVFTV on Twitter. We move on. Pally, to... can, I, sorry, can I just say something before we do move Very on? Very quickly. Very quickly. Um, I think Dobbs would have had a really... I mean, I know there's nothing been in that game, but I don't think Dobbs would have been in a position to do anything about it because the quality of the feed was cool. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Sunday. Uh, we were up against it. As I said, I already listed the players that were out of the game on Saturday, and then we also have now lost uh, Beauvillier and Ferland for the game at the NIC against the Nottingham Panthers. The Panthers side to the previous night had held a lead against the Sheffield Steelers right up until the final minutes before losing in overtime. And in this game, they held a 2-0 lead before losing in overtime. Uh, Brett Perlini opened the scoring in the first period on the power play before Dylan Olsen doubled it up in the second on a feed from Mark Herdebees. 2-0 to the Nottingham Panthers going into the final period. And then the Giants, well, there's a there's a bit of penalty. Sorry, the Panthers running the a bit of a penalty problem. Tyler Biggs gets called for hooking and soon after Luke Pether gets called for hooking what looks more like a trip but gets called for hooking in that subsequent 5 on 3 Darcy Murphy makes it oh no I didn't get the t- uh, Darcy Murphy makes it it's a 2-1 game yes. we're playing great well yes <laughs> and then soon afterwards when it goes back to 5 on 4 Dustin Jonner levels it at 2-2 and we are back into Overtime, and then uh, an interesting overtime. The Panthers don't really have that many opportunities, and then Robert Farmer decides to take a, sh- a speculative shot from the point, and it rebounds off Josh Roach, the man we've just been talking about. He goes flying up the ice, more or less clear, takes a shot at Mike. Well, Michael Garnett in from the Nottingham Panthers net goes tries to chase him down the ice and leaves his cage wide open. Rush goes, Ro- Ro- Roach goes around him, takes the shot, hits the post. You can tell I'm getting excited. Hits the post, comes to Darcy Murphy, and Murphy finishes proceedings 3-2. Uh, guards the goal. We talked about Garnett, 24 shots. Sorry, 24 saves on 27 shots. And the other side, Death, Tyler Beskarowani, 26 saves on 28. Eight shots. Your referees on that night, excuse me, Hogarth and Dalton. Yeah, we're yeah we're Ho- Stephen Hogarth and Dandy Alden. Um, Davy, start with you. This the Giants were up against this fourteen skaters, partly fourteen skaters for the guts of five periods and two overtimes, but fourteen skaters at the NIC two 0 down 
and show that character to come back and take the win. Yeah, it was just kind of a case of hanging in there. So place disappointing, I, I, I guess, for Kiefer. Penalty kill has been pretty good this season. I think Guildford, maybe aside, we've, we've been pretty strong on the PK. Um, coming back into it ourselves with two power plays of our own and just hanging in there really with 2-0 down, you think, oh dear, this could be a long night, you know, after after 25 minutes, right through through the end of the second period there, you're coming out at the end of the second period, I guess that in that second period break, Adam Keith's just saying, well lads, this is where we're at we're, we're two goals behind we've got the boys, we've got a bit of adrenaline flowing here, let's see what we can go, let's go and get the next goal and see what happens and and of course, we've managed to come out there and, and get two very, very quick goals, and all of a sudden the momentum goes the other way, and you've got a bit of energy, and then you take it into three-on-three overtime. And as I said earlier on, you know, Kiefer and his reign as as coach now goes to five and two. We're a pretty good three-on-three team. Um, we've proved that over the just even the possession that we'll have during those three-on-three mm-hmm. periods, it, which surprised me the shot the farmer takes because it is that there is no lane there. He could Nothing. probably. He could probably dump it in there and hope that one of his teammates get it. But the, the, the risk you're taking there, just having a blast, is that anything can happen. And it's came off Roachers. And the, the speed that he's showing there, just to get up after the puck. Garnett makes the Dominic Hasek decision to come out there and, you know, doesn't get the puck. And uh, as I said on Twitter last night, the vision that Roachie shows to, to play it off a post there for Darcy <laughs> Murphy, coming down the left wing to absolutely rip it into the back of the net. The, you know, there's no such thing as a bad win. Um, and there's no such thing as a bad win in the NIC. And to come away, to top out a four-point weekend, that you know, I, I, I seen Mark Finn saying, oh, use one with 14, we had only 12 players. Well, good for you. You know, we were up against it. We've lost two of our main players before before the game, the night before the injury, when we're away on the road, you know. So uh, they set up to go with 12 men and, and Murdy and Nets. But, you know, we're a bit of adversity. 6,000 people, probably, you know, 5,900 Sorry. So uh, it's one of those done really, really well. Boys are to come away with two points in the NIC on the 16th anniversary of the uh, <laughs> of that famous night in Belfast. And so, uh, you know, it's too, too early to crack out to never forgive, never forget, Bonnie. Never at all. Never Mark, Mark, Mark Finn coming out with a my daddy's better than your daddy comment. That surprises me from that keyboard warrior. Says <laughs> the mantra seems to be, and we hear it over and over from the likes of. Um, from Kiefer is you've got to find a way and the Giants had to find a way and they found a way. No excuses. They said it all the time. You know, down on bodies. Um, obviously, we were waiting on the news coming through from the night before uh, if there was going to be suspensions. Blair Riley could have been suspended, so it would have been even 13 players as well. So going into NIC is never easy, as Davey says, uh, but to come out, lad, from two points. You know, we... we the, we were all sitting watching the, the retweets from Twitter coming in and I was keeping an eye on flash scores and and um, we were on our WhatsApp group or update, and it was two 0 down. You know, I think right, okay, we know it's just a matter of, of trying to, you know, get through here the rest of the game healthy. And then third period starts. Yeah. You know, we we uh, we get a goal through Darcy Murphy. I tweeted on the group, and you two both come back. Oh, yes, and then it's two two. Davy comes back with a wow, and you know we're basically tying things up, getting to the third. Yeah. I watched the game back. I watched the game back. Um, <laughs> Early hours of, of Monday, I woke up at half past four on Monday morning. wasn't specifically for this, believe you me, but I ended up watching the game back. Um, and do you know what? I thought we were great. I thought we were really, really good. Uh, we, we did look a bit leggy in the first period. Uh, totally understandable. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. it was a tough game the night before, but 
as as the game went on, we just seemed to get stronger and stronger. And when we went two two with seven minutes to go uh, in the game, I, I I remember sending out the message on the on the WhatsApp to say we get the overtime, we're going to win this. Mm. Um, and that's exactly what happened. I'm not saying I've got a magic ball, crystal ball, but um, you know, Rochi was Rochi was brilliant again. Uh, I know you don't get the same very often, Paddy, and you obviously you got the same live on Saturday night, awesome. and you were wax lyrical about him. But uh, mm. you know, coming out and, and again, how many minutes they play on Sunday? He must have played at least an hour thirty-seven to thirty-eight minutes on Sunday as well. Um, I noticed that he had actually ended up taking a penalty. Maybe he took two penalties. Hmm. And I think he probably took two penalties to get a rest because every time he went to the bench, Kiefer was going, what are you doing here? Get back out there. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, you sort of sometimes you have to do that. But to come out of there, uh, 2-0 down, win the game 3-2, two overtime games at the weekend, coming out with four points on the road. You have, I mean, I thought it was an outstanding effort from every single one of those guys in Tate or White. Davey, three power play goals in the weekend. You are saying about the three-on-three. Three, it was an interesting point, the fact that we do so much possession. But you see that as well on the power play. You see that when we've got that sort of space to play, that we are very quick to cycle the puck and to use it. Look, uh, over the last Belfast Giants, what is our identity? I suppose questions have been asked many times. I remember that, you know... Famous uh, Todd Kelman curse video at the start of the season where he says kick ass, kiss, kick ass hockey is back in Belfast. No, it was anything but it. But um, <laughs> you know uh, that that didn't work. I, you know, I, we talked about you know the blue collar type of game that the Belfast Giants play, the, the physical game that Blair Riley talks about. You know, you do the physical things first. That's a lot of things that Belfast Giants fans want to see because that's what we've been brought up on. But over the last number of years, especially since Dorches came back into the organisation, and I suppose teams often sort of reflect what their coaches and their managers, you know, what their what their style of play was. And we've got that high skilled, high speed puck possession as well. You know, we're we're a good team when we've got the puck, but we're also a good team getting the puck back at the minute. You know, we're 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 going in hard in the four check but and we're very, very aggressive on the penalty kill. And mm-hmm. sometimes that can be a good thing when you come up against a very, very good power play, being really aggressive on the penalty kill doesn't doesn't always work out for you. But you know, disappointing coughing those two goals up as we've said on the power play. But um our own power play, the, the the movement in it at the minute is, is good. I, I just don't. I've, I've closed my phone there. I don't have the actual power play shots that that, that went on on the night in, in front of me there. But you know, I know that there was a there was real good possession and a lot of good shots reined in on the power play. Right, well, we'll wrap it up on regards to the weekend's games. That's a four-point weekend for the Belfast Giants. Two overtime wins, a fabulous return on this road stretch so far. Only one game, only two points dropped, and that was at the uh, that was at the, the Guildford Flames the other week. We covered that. We go in to uh, three games and three nights. But we'll talk about that later. Before we come on to the interview, we've got one interview it's with Adam Keith. Before we come on to that, let's have a quick word about our sponsor. Actually, I'm going to go reach down here. And I'm going to lift up what is a lovely Garden Brewery Pale Ale from our friends at Beer 52. Let's mm. see, it's all in action, a bit of sound. <laughs> the, uh, you can support us here at Views in the Bridge by supporting our sponsors. Beer52.com are the UK's number one craft beer delivery service. You can get different beers every single month. This month, it is the beers from the Balkans, beers from Sofia, from... 
Zagreb from Athens, some very, very lovely stuff. This one here appears to be from Croatia. It says so on the side, and it's very nice. It's the Garden Brewery Pale Ale. If you want to get involved with that, you can go to beer52.com forward slash AVFTB, and the first box is free. And thanks to our friends at beer52.com for supporting the podcast, and thank you for supporting them and therefore supporting us. Right, interviews. Simon popped down to Steve. Actually, Steve Murphy's question on hockey last night says, or do I call you John Candy? How was that? Uh, it was brilliant, crack. Um, it was a real good fun. There was over 120 in uh, to support Steve in his first event, first testimonial. And you know what? He, he, he absolutely deserves uh, every bit of support that um, everyone can give him this year. You know, what a, what a goal he's been for us uh, in the 10 seasons, about nine seasons getting into his 10, um, that uh, he's been there and and it was a great night, you know. We did the um, you just touched on the John Candy. I was that man um, for a few minutes, and and the boys put on their uh, Jamaican uh, bobsled team. Bob team yeah. Hilarious! There's a video. Did I send you the video? No, no, no. I'll send you the video. It's funny, like. Um, and then uh, you know Ron Burgundy was there, aka Tyler Beskarwani. Um, Conor McGregor was there, aka uh, Jonathan Boxall. It was. That you was know, a good one. I saw that picture. Two, that was an excellent one. It was brilliant. Two pigeons turned up. Uh, there was a chicken. Um, there was uh, Bob Ross, the painter, was there. Um, you know, there's so many guys. Everybody was in dress. Three by mice, uh, Darcy Murphy, Curtis Leonard, and, and Kevin Rain. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was a really, really good event. Um, and Team North America won handsomely uh, in the end, actually. But um, really good job. Um, looking forward to the next event that he has planned. Yeah, we'll get Stephen Murphy on pretty soon to talk about this season, talk about his testimony, he'll talk about his 10 years with the Belfast Giants. But let's move on with the show. And at that, uh, at last night's question of hockey, Simon got the chat with the head coach, Adam Keefe. Adam, um, we'll touch on the uh, the winning performance tonight for the uh, Team North America over Team GB and the uh, Stephen Murphy question of hockey. Uh, you certainly played your part in that. Wouldn't say that. Uh... Like Besco and, and the rest of the crew there, they were answering all the questions. So uh, I'm too busy worried about our own team. Talking about our own team, four-point weekend. Um, no one bodies going into Manchester, losing two guys uh, in the first period. Really did put you up uh, you know, against the wall to a certain extent. Um, but coming out and getting the overtime winner with uh, David Rutherford's um, overtime goal, you, you must have felt good on Saturday evening. Yeah, I think sometimes when you're tested, uh, you know, uh, a bit of adversity, and we went through it last season as well, and I thought the guys handled it well last year. And uh, this year, you know, there's always going to be times when we face adversity, and, uh, you know, we just went through a bit of it, and it was nice to see the guys respond and and find a way. Party on, man. Last night, um, Nottingham Panthers, um, it's always good to go into Nottingham and get the win, but going 2-0 down um, with the short bodies, does, was there any panic in, in the room or uh, you just knew that you had to trust in what you were doing? No, I mean, we actually were quite happy getting out of the first period, going down one nothing. I thought it could have been could have been a lot worse, um, but, uh, you know, take over to that period, one nothing down, uh, you know, you know you're still in the game, and then even after the second period, I thought we had a much better second period, but still... We weren't uh, great, and then you come out of that, and it's only two 0 down, and uh, you know we 
we wanted to make sure that we tied the special teams in a game like that, and uh, they certainly did that. We came out clutch with two big power play goals, and all of a sudden we're right back in the game. And I think that uh, from there, you know, you, the players were extremely tired, obviously, going down to eight fours and 4-D in the Manchester took its toll. And, uh, you could see that in the first two periods in Nottingham, but I think once we got those power play goals, uh, even just the first one in general, that adrenaline and that, that real compete level, you've seen it come through in all the players, and I think everybody, uh, to a man, uh, played their part, especially in that third period, and, and, and we got the job done. You went to social media last night um, after the game, which isn't something you'd normally do, um, but you obviously felt so positive about the performance from the guys the weekend. Yeah, and it's never easy going into the NIC and facing the Nottingham Panthers. It doesn't matter uh, if you're at full strength, um, but uh, to go in there with you know, three lines and 5D and after going down to 8-4 and four with all the instigators and the 10-minute misconducts that happened in Manchester, uh, guys had to eat a lot of minutes. So um, We knew that we were going to be up against it, and uh, it was really nice to see the guys uh, respond and, and you know, we, we talk about it uh, at length. Uh, no excuses. It's a game. We got to find a way. And um, you know, those are some of the words that we use. And uh, the guys certainly did that. So that's why I was, I was super happy with uh, the performance of the weekend. You, you just touched on it there with regards to the uh, the penalties that were handed out on Saturday evening. Um, without saying too much, there hasn't been anything from Dops uh, as of when we're doing this interview on Monday evening. Um, have you been told anything of why there was nothing uh, forthcoming from Dubs after that game? Because there was quite a few misconduct penalties um, and quite a few questionable hits. Yes, uh, there's no suspensions from that game. Um, I think you know not to say that that there you know it was too. T- um, you looked at them yourself, and so did I, and, and the, the footage was just not clear or, or good enough, uh, unfortunately for. Dops to properly uh, view it, and uh, as a result, you don't. It's, there's, you, know, it's, uh, you can't really suspend them, and you can't really. I guess you go on. You, at that point, we're going on uh, the officials' write-up, and uh, obviously, their write-ups did not warrant a suspension. We'll leave that there. Um, I'm sure we'll have a chat about that on the podcast at some point tomorrow evening. Um, Adam, thank you very much for your time. A brilliant performance the weekend, obviously the four points. Um, and uh, moving on to this weekend, which we will speak to you later on. Time for October's Player of the Month, sponsored by Phonacath. We put the nominations out to you to give us who you thought have been the best players of the October period. From that list of nominations, we've drawn up a short list of four, and therefore, the players you get to choose from to be the October Player of the Month are... Number 25, Blair Riley. Number 34, Tyler Beskarowani. Number 77, Josh Roach. And number 83, Dustin Jonner. Voting is now open on our Twitter account, twitter.com forward slash AVFTV. You can also find it on the Kingdom of the Giants website and on facebook.com. Cast your vote. Polls close on Friday and the winner will be awarded the A View from the Bridge Player of the Month trophy. And thanks to Phonacab for their support.
Blair Riley, Tyler Beskarowani, Josh Roach, and Dustin Jotter. Very quickly, lads, um, who is your choice and why, David Majemsey? Oh, Paddy, I, I think this is a straight shootout um, between two guys, and it's uh, their cigarette paper between them. That's Blair Riley and Tyler Beskarowani. I told says we'd have some numbers prep. Um, 10 games through October, and uh, Tyler Beskarowani conceded 16 goals at 1.63 goals per game, which is phenomenal. But, uh, you know, a 9.43 save percentage as well. His numbers, you know, show... Thanks, Mabel. No, go for it. Keep going. His numbers back up, you know, our, our wins. Whatever that is. Nine October. But, you know, the old, the old cliche, goals win games, defences, goaltenders win championships. And at this stage, we're just trying to get the goals going and you know, Blair Riley's came up with, I don't know, three or four game-winning goals, three or four MVP performances. Uh, you know, he was plus 10 or something over the course of the month, so, you know, through those 10 games. So, absolutely phenomenal month from from Captain Blair Riley. Where will my vote go? Where will I put my stamp? I think Besco, I think as the, you know, Riley himself says, I think Besco went up more than once this season, so I'll go a fantastic October for Captain Blair Riley. Simon Kitchen. Blair Riley for me. Um, you know, it's not so long ago there was people calling for him to be uh, changed, that he wasn't captain material. Um, and, you know, again, you know, once you know the facts that he, concussion, three days in the training camp or two days in the training camp, missing three weeks, more or less a month. Uh, you know, we, we got to talk to him and uh, earlier on and he, he said about, you know, it's, you know, he has to get mentally right to come back into it, start taking a few hits and uh, both in training and games, and then you start to feel good about yourself. But what an October he's had. Davies already rhymed off there as, you know, game-winning goals and the and the, everything else he brings to the table. So, um, and I think he's 100% right. I don't think Besco's going to uh, struggle for getting player of the month this season. Um, he's uh, He's been different gravy, absolutely different gravy. So, uh, but for this month, for me, it's uh, the captain Blair Riley. I'm going to go three for three from that. I think Blair Riley's been phenomenal these last couple of weeks. And like you say, Tyler Beskarowani is going to pick it up at some point. He's been brilliant all the way through. Um, but an honourable mention to the other two nominees, Josh Roach, we spoke of him earlier on, yeah. ever-present on the ice, coast-to-coast coast, doing some hard work, getting some great goals, good setup, man, solid at the back. Um, Dustin Jonner shows exactly what we were missing last season when he was out with that terrible injury for most of the year. You know, he's coming up with some great goals, some great plays, great, great, uh, great uh, provider for goals as well. A great player there, but no, I think um, Blair Riley for being got, got my vote. And if you want to vote at AVFTB on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash AVFTB, you'll also find it on our Facebook page. And the, the voting will be open until Friday, and we'll pass on the, the trophy soon after that. This is Colin Shields from the Belfast Giants, and you're listening to View from the Bridge, the best podcast in the elite ice hockey league.
Time for the fan agenda brought to you by Belfast Giants TV. This week, we're joined by a man who's on a rich vein of scoring form. And of course, he's also one of the nominees for October's Player of the Month. It's the captain, Blair Riley. How are you, Riles? Good, fellas. How are we doing? All going well. How are you feeling after last night's party? Yeah, a little raspy here. Lost my voice a little bit singing at the uh, at the heart, but it was good. There was uh, some quality costumes, that's for sure. Boxy uh, took the cake for sure with the Conor McGregor uh, <laughs> look like it was spot on, man. I, you know, I was impressive. He kept it under wraps and uh, unveiled it at the party. It was uh, it was impressive. He's getting some pretty good love on social media with it. <laughs> it's coming off the back. It obviously was a good mood. It's coming off the back of what was a great weekend. Two. Tough battles, I know we spoke on um, we spoke on Saturday after the game at Manchester, and that was a battle in itself. But going in shorthanded into Nottingham as well, and going two goals down, but taking the win in overtime that that must give a real boost to the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. You could see uh, um, you know how excited the group was when they scored that goal. It was uh, you know it was kind of a stunning comeback, really, but. Um, given the circumstances, down bodies and um, short bench for two nights, it was it was an impressive win, no doubt. But um, you know, no one no one feels sorry for you in this league, and uh, uh, teams don't care if you got a full lineup or, or who's in. You just gotta find a way, and that's kind of what Kiefer's been preaching these last little uh, little while. So um, you know, we dug deep, found a way, and uh, on to the next one. When you're so short benched and you're gasping for air and you're trying to fight back in, I know see, we talked earlier about you know, the mantra of you know, you've got to find a way. How difficult is it? How difficult is it to keep that concentration and fight your way back into again? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough for sure, but um, you know, it, it was a quick turnaround uh, to the four o'clock game. We didn't really have a whole lot of time to to think about things. You just kind of rolled into the arena and, and you're kind of working off adrenaline. But you could see guys were definitely. Uh, tired. You could just see it mostly in the decision making. Guys were uh, making some kind of poor uh, decisions with the puck and stuff, which you which you tend to see when guys are tired. But um, I thought for the first forty minutes, we just kind of uh, hung around and and saved our legs. And then you could see we had just enough jump to get through in, in the last twenty minutes. And um, you know, a couple of huge power play goals. And, and you know, once you get it to overtime. Right, take us back to the start yeah, of the season. With, with some of the skill guys we have. Yeah, take us back to the start of the season, Riles. So you, you, you come in uh, looking forward, obviously, to, to uh, uh, training camp. You pick up that injury, the, the concussion, which knocked you out for three weeks, not knocked you out for three or four weeks, excuse me, but But um, how, how much of an impact is that on uh, missing the preseason, missing the training camp, and then obviously you know trying to get your legs on there for the first couple of weeks when you get back? Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult, um, mainly just cause I, you know, I had a, uh, a full summer of training this year, as opposed to the year before when I, I basically lost the whole summer, um, with the back injury. Um, so to, to have this full summer and, um, kind of feel like I was coming in, in as good a shape as I'd ever been. And, um, you know, I felt good and I was excited about, about the season and, um, first couple of weeks I felt great on the ice and you know I was skating a lot better and you know it felt like it was going to be just a good start to the season which um, I was really looking forward to but uh, yeah it, it takes a toll it's it's um, it's not a fun injury I know a couple guys um, on the team have dealt with it this season and in the past it's you know it can be it can be scary mentally and um, 
it can drain you, but, um, you know, I've, I've dealt with it before and I, I kind of knew what, what the symptoms were. And, and it's just something that you gotta, you gotta fully, fully rest and, and heal and recover from. Cause it's, uh, you know, it's obviously your most important part of your body. So you got to take care of it. Um, so that's what I did. And, um, it took a few weeks to get my feet back under me and, and kind of get confident again. And, um, you know, getting back to, to taking hits and, and realizing that you're, hundred percent again. So yeah, it's, it's not a lot of fun, but it's, it's nice to be over it and, and healthy again. Riles, um, over the, over the sort of middle of September there, we went through a little bit of a, bit of a barren patch where we just, we couldn't buy a win. And, and there was a lot of crying out from, from the fan base about maybe a lack of leadership perceived with it, within the ranks. And then sort of the, the first of October arrives. And as you say, a couple of weeks more, more, more hockey in your legs, and all of a sudden the captain comes to the game. You know, it's it's quite a remarkable October you've had. A lot of game-winning goals, a lot of, a lot of MVPs of game. Is it just uh, getting comfortable in your own uh, with your fitness as you talk about there? Uh, yeah, you know, it <clears throat> it can take a minute to uh, to get confidence back. There's no question about that. Um, you know, and when you know when you're doing things the right way, you know, usually for me it, it tends to be. Um, when I'm playing physical first and, and opening up some space up for myself, and my line mates, that's usually when you start to find success. But, um, you know, I find that if I'm contributing, you know, in other ways and not necessarily scoring, then you can still have a positive impact on the game. And that's kind of, um, that's what you have to do when you're here, when you're struggling offensively. So, um, you can always, you can always bring something to the game and, um, impact, you know, one way or another, uh, in a positive way to to bring the right results for for your teammates and stuff, and uh, that's what I tried to do. Like it's it's not an easy game, and it's it's not an easy sport to to score all the time. So you got to find other ways to contribute. You talk about being physical first, leading with that style of play. You know, that's the style we were expecting. You get exactly what it says in the ten. You know, when you came in from Stockton, that physical style of play, and and let the points come after that on Saturday or yeah, Saturday night. Um, you're involved in an incident where you've you've thrown. We, we've analysed it back and forwards between us and our little groups. We all think an absolutely nice hit, and uh, I think it's our heart comes in to uh, to tackle you on that. How, what, what's your feeling that when you go in and you level, what do you feel is a, a decent enough hit, and the next thing you're having to you know sit ten minutes of the game out? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that that was kind of a tone for me. I I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily hate the call just because of uh, the way the game was flowing. Like it was, it was getting physical, and I, I thought that the refs probably needed to to do that to kind of keep things in control. Um, they maybe could have done it earlier with Byers hit. That could have been a five minute major, and, and maybe some of that other stuff doesn't happen along the way. But looking back, I, I think they probably they probably made the right call. So um, I would have preferred not to sit there for 17 minutes. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, on the flip side, the instigator thing, I know you guys have talked about it quite a bit. Like I, I think the hit generally is the instigation in that. And that was the same with the hit on Furlan. Like, I don't think Leonard instigates that fight. Like he's sticking no. up for a teammate in that sense. So, you know, you can go back and forth on that one, but um, it is to, kind of keep control of the game and, and not get things out of hand so I, I understand it going to Twitter a couple of questions I'll take this one question from Patrick Walsh who asks 
Uh, how is the morale and attitude of the locker room now compared to the first five games of the season? Uh, significantly improved. Um, you could tell, you know, guys were feeling the pressure a little bit earlier on and um, some guys that were new to the league maybe didn't quite grasp, you know, how important wins and losses are, you know, at the start of the season. And, um, you know, I think that that really surprised some guys that, um, you know, this is around you hit the ground running right off the get go. And, um, you know, we, we settled in and, and it's, you know, giving us some time to, to grow as a team as well. Like it's, it's tough first month, you're still figuring each other out and there's a lot of new faces and guys were getting comfortable with, you know, their spots on the power play and um, chemistry with line mates and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of growth that goes early on and you can kind of see us really trending in the right direction now. And, and we've got to keep building and, and improving as a team as we go forward. Right. You're in your third season in Belfast now. Um, when you come over from North America for your first season there, and, you know, obviously growing into your role, you're the captain now. Do you still set yourself short-term goals with regards to, um, you know, the, your play? Do you, do you take it in maybe five-game slots, of, um, whether it's points or whether it's, uh, you know, the physical side of play? Because, you know, you know, look at it, Adam's really, um, uh, he puts a lot of attention into blocks and he puts a lot of attention into hits. Uh, you know, Davey, Davey's our stat man there and, uh, and you know, he, he obviously does all the counting all for him. But do you set yourself targets for, for, for a personal uh, point of view? Uh, no, I don't actually. Um, but I definitely look back at um, the previous games and, and kind of try to notice trends and, you know, like especially with the hits and stuff like that, it, it, usually, it usually trends the right way if you're um, impact in the game, like I said before, if if you're doing the, uh, some of those things, it, it tends to tends to show if you've been you know producing or or helping the team. So uh, um, you know it, it's it's nice having those uh, things to look at. You know whether it's a faith off for the centerman, um, you know stuff for the PK and then the power play percentages because you know there's generally quite a bit of. Uh, uh, stuff you can take out of those numbers. It's it's not always 100% accurate to um, whether you've been playing as well as you think. But uh, generally, over time, if if you can notice some trends, it, it usually has a, a pretty good idea as to what's going on. Rez, um sort of towards the end of the season last year, obviously we had the uh, the fantastic success in the Challenge Cup. What does it feel like as a player, as a captain of? of my great city, um, to get that cup at centre ice and skate and show it to, to the Belfast Giants fans. Is that going to be one that'll go down as a career highlight? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was, it was a special moment. Like, I, I usually, when I've, when I've been asked about it, I, I usually go back to the, the scene at the airport first. Um, mm-hmm. that was pretty spectacular. And that was, that was kind of something that we weren't really expecting. We, we kind of heard um, before we took off at the airport that there was maybe going to be some people there, but we didn't realize it was going to be uh, that big of a fan reaction. And um, it was pretty special, but you know, that, that moment of course was, was special at home. Um, but grabbing it for the first time in Cardiff uh, for the fans that had traveled there through the snowstorm and stuff, it's, 
it's something that I'll never forget. And that's something as uh, teammates and stuff that you'll remember long after you play hockey for sure. We're going to wrap up, but a couple of questions before I let you go. First of all, three games and three nights in across Scotland now with Fife, Glasgow and, and Dundee. Coming off a tough weekend, is it a lot of rest this week, just just going into those games? Um, yeah, well, uh, we were off today. We had a you know a good, good team gathering last night. Of course, Murph had his testimonial quiz, which uh, it mm-hmm. seemed like a lot of fans enjoyed, of course, and um, all the guys were able to show up in costumes, so we had some good laughs and um, had a good team bonding night out, which is it's all important, you know. It's it's good for camaraderie and and it's good to build that that stuff. So today was a rest day. Back to work tomorrow, and um, you know I would imagine the next couple of days will be fairly light practices, just because you know we're short bodied and uh, big weekend coming up with some travel, so. Um, yeah, it, you know, it'll be a lot of rest, a lot of recovery and, um, just kind of sharpen up a few things on the ice and, and get right back to it. One last question I'm going to take from Matthew Patton on Twitter, a bit more lighthearted. He said, third year here, you must have some local foods you can't get back home. What's your top of your list when you come back after a summer break? Um, we don't have Bujan back home, so that's usually, <laughs> that's usually number one, um, and then I usually enjoy the chip co for um, for some goujons. We'd, we'd call them chicken tenders back in Canada, but like a good goujon from the chip co. And uh, yeah, keeping it healthy. That's, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that wasn't the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. Listen, have a hopefully uh, things go well this weekend. Keep up the great scoring form, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot, fellas. Can, can I jump in? Sorry, guys. Can I jump yeah, in? Go on. I know your your last couple of the season before last, Alex uh, Foster was always trying to jump in there and and uh, support his teammates to to go for Player of the Month. Paddy's already said that you're up for Player of the Month along with uh, uh, Best Girl Annie, Darcy. Oh, sorry, Best Girl Annie. Who's the other two, Paddy? Best Girl and Josh Roach. DJ so you, you've got the person. You've got the, a big opportunity here to promote yourself. For that uh, player of the month, or do you think one of those other guys deserve it? Well, I don't know if anyone can see this, but I voted. I voted for Besco, but I would take it back if I could because I saw the votes really close, and he's probably <laughs> going to be up for it. He'll be up for it every month, so he should probably just back up, get out of the way, and he can he can collect it in December and January, and just let his roommate have this one for for a moment. All right, but I, I'll be reaching. I'll be reaching out to Foster tomorrow because it's. It's looking tight now. I got to get him on the campaign because he's he's undefeated. I think he's two or three and zero when he gets involved. Oh, he's a top campaign manager when it comes to this. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Well, listen, good luck, mate, and we'll catch you up to you soon. Disappointing result in the end. Four one to Belfast. What are your thoughts on that game? Well, it's a two one hockey game. It's a two one game. It's a two one game. It's a two one hockey game. But still, late in the third period, it's a two one hockey game. Two one two one two one hockey game. We two one two one two one two one two one two one game. Two one. It's a two one game. Great stuff, thanks, Doug. Right. Thanks again to Riles um, around the league, and we're going to go back to a topic we spoke about a little bit earlier on. Dops. 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 Yeah, yeah. Dops. 
Docs. Docs. Yeah, we're going back to the Department of Player Safety because there was quite a significant or quite a hefty, what's the word? Suspension. Let's go for suspension. <laughs> put out earlier today. I was trying to think of something really smart, but it's just not. That. Listen, it's this lovely Garden Brewery Pale Ale from Beer Fifty Two that's put it out of my head. Anyway, um, the Department of Player Safety oversaw the incident at the end of the Flames Storm game that took place on Sunday, and I've handed out some hefty suspensions. Declan Balmer. Well, first of all, they've put the blame fully, and they've said it a few times in the in the determination, 100% at the feet of the Manchester Storm. Subsequently, Declan Balmer, the Storm, has been given a three-game suspension as the first person in, leaving the bench to start the altercation. Dallas Earhart has been given one game as third man in. He also was deemed to have left the bench. And Ryan Finnerty, the head coach, has been given a one-game and £1,000 fine uh, for not controlling his team, and he's now deemed to be a repeat offender. Davey, I'll start with you. Um, you've seen the incident. Your thoughts on how heavy Dops have come down on the storm? <coughs> I'm not sure that they've come that heavy, about right. Um, uh, which is pretty much all I've got to say. That, the, the pictures speak for themselves. The, they lost the run on themselves. And unfortunately, 4-0 down, you see? Yeah, uh, they're going to try and send the message, and you know they, they were just looking one way excuse, one way spark to to let it all go off, and and the, the spark came. I think there was a bit of a something went on with the goaltender, someone in the party, and all of a sudden everybody's involved, and uh, you know no justification for leaving the bench. First player to leave the bench gets three games. Second player to leave the bench to go third man, and only gets one game. There's a wee bit of a wee bit of a question mark with that decision, but I'll. I'll leave that with Dops. We we always have kind of said that um, since Dops has came along, we we'll, we'll just try and respect our decision. We'll we'll we certainly we'll we'll talk about it, and I'm sure there'll be times when we disagree with it. But um, at least they're there and they're making decisions. And uh, two nights in a row for our friend uh, Finner. Uh, you know, uh, Saturday night against the Giants, he takes a bench biner. I'm not a hundred percent sure what for. Um, I know when he was going off on the forty he minute was mark. Given and I, he was given like a diving kind of mm-hmm. Don't know motion. Who um, sorry? Don't know who that was at. I'm not sure what was going on there. And why the Manchester Storm used that door for the first time. Yeah. Probably I've ever seen them use that door. Why no, the Belfast Castle had a mill about centre ice waiting for them to get off. It, it, it created a flashpoint that didn't need to be there. Um, so Finner's obviously taking a bench penalty on the on the Saturday night, and obviously then it's just standard that, you know, if there's a fight in the last few minutes of the game that involves an instigator, then the, the head coach receives a, an automatic one-match ban as well. It's just it's within the rules. It's, it's happened to us, I think, at the time. It happened in, was it Hull or Fife or somewhere? It happened, and Rob Stewart actually was the one that ended up <laughs> he had signed the game sheet, unfortunately for him, but, uh, you know, uh, or, or, or genius from us, one of the two, but... Um, <laughs> I think it's yeah. the latter, mate. Yeah. Um, so uh, he signs him usually anyway. So um, it's just one of those, Paddy. I, I don't have that much to say about it, though. I've managed to, to flesh it out to two minutes. <laughs> so going into that game or going into those suspensions, the Manchester Storm already had the highest level of penalty minutes in the league. They're starting to gain themselves a bit of a reputation here. I don't think they're, they're starting to. I think it's been there from the start of the season. 
Um, I mean, yeah, they've got a couple of good players, but otherwise they've just got a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, like the try and put bombs on seats. It's not working. It doesn't seem to be that many people at the Drizzle Dome on Saturday night. But, you know, the interesting thing for me for this uh, game on Sunday is the same referees that had the hassle on the Saturday night in Manchester, uh, Dean Smith and, and Matt Rose. And, um, you know, carrying that forward after, let's be honest, the two of them had a nightmare the night before. Um, I know we're, we're not, you know, there isn't a plethora of, of um, officials that you can literally, you know, jump in to, to cover somebody's backside and maybe can't make a game or, or get demoted to a certain extent. So, um, you know, I, I watched the incident. Um, I did see a tweet that somebody put out saying that Dallas Earhart was on the ice. He did not jump from the, the bench. I, I didn't, where the camera was, I couldn't see if that was the case or not. And, uh, you know, coming in there, trying to put somebody out of a, of a scrum and, and gets the third man in. But, like, again, Manchester haven't impressed me so far this year. Yeah, they'll, they'll win games. Yeah, they'll get the... the um, uh, get a few points and stuff like that, but they uh, they've left a lot to be desired. I think they're a, they're a team that, um, as I say, is based on trying to get people into the arena to, to rough things up with. But hopefully, we'll have a, a full roster the next time they come in for a doubleheader in December because uh, there's a few scores need to be settled. That thing. I think that's absolutely true. Right, a couple of personnel changes. Um, there are three involved in the Sheffield Steelers. We'll come down a second ago. Start with Sam Duggan. After um, four seasons playing in Sweden, junior, and then starting a season with the Jamestown Rebels in the NAHL, he's actually been picked up, says, by Cardiff. Yeah, you know, young British player. And, and, uh, and I, to be honest, I think Cardiff might have signed him without, uh, or with the prospect of making sure nobody else got him. Yeah. Um, promise him a nice time. And, you know they're they're stacked. Let's be honest. You know, Cardiff have been really impressive this year so far. Uh, the Belfast Giants have uh, the weekend after next. I think the, the first game we're going to Cardiff. So mm-hmm. it's um, they're they're going to be good. They're they're. I said it last week. Whoever finishes above Cardiff will win the league. That's I think that's a fair enough comment. They're 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 they're, they're they've shown they're the best team um, in the last two seasons, and uh, they've shown that they're they're, they're shown that they're also beatable. Um, you know, we've, we've had success against them, but I think it's a really good pickup. Good young player, uh, limited ice time. I don't think see him getting very much ice time, if I'm honest, but uh, time will tell. Interesting comment from Sis there, Davey. He thinks that uh, Duggan's been picked up just to make sure nobody else does. Well, I'm sure when, you know, with the interview with Sam himself, he said things weren't quite working out like for him in North America. He either got in touch with with Killer or Killer got in touch with him a few weeks ago, and they've been they've been talking. I would have imagined if, if most of the coaches around the league knew Sam Duggan was available, that have been after him. It, it shows the pull that Cardiff have at the minute that uh, you know they can they can bring someone of his quality, and he's he's done well at GB level. I think he'll continue, and, and that's probably something that he's he's looking at as well as as the end of this season. Obviously, yeah. the World Championships, and can he get himself into that GB squad? You know. Um, uh, and he's going to have a much better chance of doing it, I would imagine, if he's playing in front of the GB coaches week in, week out, as opposed to playing in one of the, one of the more junior leagues in, in North America there. So far, played him. He, he started very well. Uh, the, the comments that have been on Twitter about him at the weekend say that he's had a couple of couple of good performances in his first couple of games. Speaking of the GB, um, two GB players are part of Tom Barrasso ringing the changes at the Sheffield Steelers. 
Brendan Brooks played on Saturday night for the Manchester Storm, having left the Sheffield Steelers. And I don't know whether you heard, guys, but um, Ben O'Connor is back in Sheffield after leaving Sweden, uh, deemed to be, quote, the new messiah. Um, hadn't, hadn't heard? No, you hadn't heard. No, had you not? No. It was actually a big secret, and uh, they did very well yeah. to keep it under wraps. But most notably, just today, just this morning, the Sheffield Steelers have signed a new import netminder. Who'd have thought that was going to happen? Um, Matt, and I, hold on, Matt Klimi, 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 I have no idea how to pronounce it. Anyway, he comes in from Hitchy Innsbruck. Um, he's a brief bit of NHL experience, quite a bit of uh, AHL experience, and is a Spangler Cup winner. Um, Davey, where does this leave Jackson Whistle? Um, as part of a goaltending tandem. Really? I'm not 100%. Bring somebody in at 35 um, with a lot of AHL and, and top European league experience. You would expect that, one, he'll be on at least the same money as Jackson Wilson's on, and two, he's going to want to be playing. Yep. Um, you know, I don't think that any goaltender can games and how quickly they come and these triple headers and stuff. You know, we're doing really well at get three games and three nights out of Besco and two weekends in a row. And, you know, it's going to catch up with Besco as well. And we've got Stephen Murphy there to, to carry that load when Besco needs a night off. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of... A lot of is that Jackson Whistle has actually been one of Sheffield's better performers. Haven't seen too much of their games, to be quite frank with you. Usually, well, if they were playing them Garnet, put the curtains, to be quite honest. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, he went to Sheffield with the promise of, I don't know, it was a full-time goalie coach, certainly, you know, more goalie coaching, you know, individual goalie coaching than he was perhaps getting in Belfast. Um, you got Tom Barrasso. And then <laughs> in comes, you know, Tom Barrasso after that. And, you know, he's fairly quickly identified, even Jackson has allegedly been playing pretty well, that, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that they need. They need backup. So, you know, is it a case of they're both going to be thrown in there and one is going to get the job, one is going to earn the job? But um, it certainly takes a load on you know, Jackson Russell's a young kid still. He's, he's still not that long off that hip surgery. And, you know, he's had to play a lot of hockey under a lot of pressure to start this season. So, you know, something that's going to take the pressure off him Look, it can only be good for Jackson. I'm not too worried about the Sheffield Steelers, to be quite honest with you. But, uh, you know, you would imagine this guy's not coming here to sit and watch. I don't think. I think he's coming in here as a clear number one goalkeeper. It's Tom Brasso's come in. He's faced Shane Owen. He's faced Mike Garnett. He's faced Ben Bounds. And he's thought to himself, we need one of these guys. And with all fairness to Jackson Whistle, he's not one of those guys says I see nothing except for this guy being a clear number one for the Sheffield Steelers and anybody I see a lot of Steelers fans coming out saying no this is going to be a like an ISL tandem where they'll both get equal ice time I don't see that happening no not really I um you know he's 35 uh, I think he's about 6263 he's a big boy he's played you know he's played a sprinkling of games in the NHL and um I was looking at the stats earlier on you know Ray Sawada played with him in Texas and I think it was 2010, and then Blair Riley had a couple of games with him again in, uh, in San Antonio. So the Bish played know, with he, him as well, I think. Who the Bish? Oh, did he? Okay. Um, so you know, looking at his stats uh, from this season, he's he started it in well, he played three games in Innsbruck. Uh, goals against average six point one seven and a save percentage of point seven six eight. 
hopefully that's the same sort of form he's going to bring in the Sheffield. Um, and, uh, you know, again, the, the rumours flying around of what Jackson uh, was uh, offered and, and being paid in Sheffield. And Davies just touched on it there, you know, don't think this guy's coming in for any less. You know, you've got three goalies, uh, with Brad Day there obviously being the third one. <laughs> I'd potentially paying him in the region of £100,000 a year between the three of them. Well, there's a lot of money being fan about in Sheffield, and I don't think it's finished yet. Be interesting going forward. Couple of interesting results. Dundee Stars, we'll talk about in a second. That last took an overtime win on the hundred millionth time of asking to beat the MK Lightning. Um the Flames well, there's still cup qualifiers going on, unbelievably. The Flames went to Cardiff up against Tom Murdy and took a win. Um and also Sheffield took an overtime win against Nottingham with that, as I spoke earlier, late equalising goal. So, yeah, it's all going on in the Elite League this weekend, not just with people moving about in tops, but a couple of interesting results. Um, okay, moving on. It's uh, it's the Halloween special on free sports for the game of the week. So here's Murph to tell us more about that. The live EIHL TV coverage continues with a Halloween edition Wednesday on Free Sports. Ben O'Connor has returned from Sweden to Sheffield, and with new head coach Tom Barrasso settling in behind the bench, the Steelers make their television debut for the 2018-19 season as they host Coventry. Danny Stewart's side have won three straight league games coming into Wednesday's road battle with EIHL victories over Manchester, Glasgow, and Fife. So an interesting encounter awaits at Fly DSA Arena. Join Paul Eddy, Chris Ellis, and myself, Aaron Murphy, from 7 p.m. Halloween night for the pregame show. And then the Blaze and Steelers face off live on Free Sports from 7.30 p.m. Check freesports.tv for all EIHL times and listings, and go to EliteLeague.co.uk for all your EIHL game tickets and news. Thanks to Murph. Uh, Belfast Giants this weekend have three games in three nights. All in Scotland. They start, they go, they go from one side of Scotland back and then over again. They start in Fife in Kirkcaldy and take on the Flyers on Friday night, 7.15pm face-off. I'd love to say there's a webcast. We've been, we've been promised two. We've been delivered none. So if you want to take a chance and see if there's a webcast, by all means, go for it. 7.15pm on Friday night. Saturday, Glasgow Clan, 7 p.m. at the shopping centre. No webcast there. They're not even a hope of one. Uh, 7 p.m., Glasgow Clan. And then back over, there is a webcast. We'll face the Dundee Stars and Elite League competition Sunday at 6 p.m. And earlier on, Davy got to catch up with a very good friend of ours, head coach of the Dundee Stars, Omar Pasha. So in this spot, you were expecting to hear Omar Pasha, weren't you? Well, actually, it's not going to happen, or not today, at least. We were unable to use the recording, so Davey's going to redo it, and we're going to hear from him later in the week. So keep an eye on kingdomofthegiants.com, and we'll give you the interview on our SoundCloud account. Anyway, we're going to pass it back to me, where I'm going to thank Omar Pasha. When you haven't actually heard Omar Pasha, you've been listening to me. Will you hear this? Thanks to Pash, that game will have Stars TV webcast, a show that once featured one Simon Kitchen. Says three games in three nights in Scotland off the back of a, what was a tough weekend. This is just another one. 
again, you know, that don't come uh, any easier. Hopefully, they'll have a few bodies back um, this weekend. You know, it's I know there's there's three or four days before, but they had back. Well, sorry, three days before they had to to um, Fife, and it's it's not going to be easy. You know, they've, they've had success against us this year already. We've we've beat them as well, but um, you know they're they're sitting top of the league. Uh, they've had some good form. Uh, Shane Owens had a great season so far. But again, they're beatable. So, you know, we'll concentrate in one game at a time. Um, let's get into five. You try and pick up the two points. Uh, try and get, try and stay healthy. And that's that's important. I'm not sure which way the, the goalies are going to work this weekend. For for Adam, he's going to go with uh, Besco. He's going to go with Murph. No idea as it sits. But hopefully, we can, as I say, we can come out this weekend. I think if you, again, you know, look at the at the Scottish teams. You know, a lot of people think that they're. Um, they're a lot easier to beat than some other teams, but that's not, not the case. Not anymore. Three and three, always tough. Trying to conserve energy. Hopefully, you can get off to a good start against Fife and pick up two points Friday night, and then lead into the weekend against uh, Glasgow and then Dundee. Davy, three and three nights, but just looking at that first one just briefly, Shane Owen's been a bit of a conundrum, not just to us, but to a lot of the league. Good goaltending right across. Uh... Across most of the leagues, you know, and has been exceptional in the in the games that we faced them. You know, we have put an awful, and we just haven't really solved that riddle yet. A fight for us has always been historically yeah. right from right back from right back. The, the crossover, the crossover cup wins back there. Do you remember that Roman Cavalier scoring the winner yep. in the crossover cup final and doing the row the boat to centre ice? That'll be <laughs> something that I remember for a long, long time. But right back from from then, you know, it's a raucous wee barn to go into. They, they, they get a lot of, you know, the home support is worth a, a massive advantage to them there, and it's it's an old school barn, and we just have to get our heads wrapped around that. You know, the, the fans are going to be noisy. They're right behind the bench. They're they're imposing, and it's been a place where historically, as I said, you know, the results haven't been as good as perhaps in other places. We'll go on to Dundee. We're slightly better there, statistically through history, and and the clan. You just never really know they're going to get um you know the, the ability to turn it on on some nights it can be absolute dog so it's um it's just really really hard what you're going to get there it's going to be a hard road trip um as simon says gold tenant's going to be talked about it there earlier as well i think that i would imagine besco will want to play all three games yep. he'll probably play the first one see how he feels going in the second one and and similar thing you know if he if he feels good if he hasn't depends how hard he's worked um, I can imagine Murph may well get some some ice time in his homeland, but wouldn't be one bit worried about Stephen Murphy coming in between the pipes while the the premier goaltender still in this league. Absolutely, With those three games, like I said, Friday seven fifteen p.m. fifteen p.m. in Kirkcaldy against the Five Flyers. Webcast unknown. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m., no webcast. Glasgow clan at the shopping centre. And Sunday at the DIA, 6 p.m. against the Stars. More than likely, there'll be Stars TV webcast. Keep an eye on at AVFTV for details. Any other business, gentlemen? I've got one. Go on. I think uh, we're not going to sing it, but crap at singing. Is this like the, like the happy birthday section of the show now? Well, I think that maybe if people want to tweet in, um, then we can give them a wee happy birthday shout-out. Um, I don't think that would be a problem, but this one's a massive shout-out uh, for a happy birthday. Young Blake, he's in hospital at the minute. Um, I know he's not feeling too well. He was, he was away over in uh, Manchester and Nottingham. He's come back, and um, I think 
I think it's a lung infection uh, that he has. So hopefully he's on the mend. Um, I know the, the, the doctors and nurses at the hospital look after him and, and uh, um, we're, we wish our thoughts are with him and we hope he's going to be okay very soon. But he's a big 11 uh, on Wednesday. So, yeah, so it's a massive, massive happy birthday to the man. Um, I hope he's, uh, you know, healthy and, and, and uh, ready to go again for this weekend because uh, you know he was looking forward to a triple header uh, trip for his birthday. So hopefully he's okay. Uh, all our thoughts are with him. And uh, happy birthday, Blake. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Ha- happy birthday. Soon, champ. And I see Dylan had the pipes in again. Laid up in, in the hospital with all sorts coming at him. So uh, hopefully he's... All these kids, all these guys that... Uh, Dylan's sending me messages here asking for stats in the middle of the night. No, kid, you got to stay in bed, you know? Give me a break. <laughs> I have to say, like, talk about the Belfast Giants being the road warriors. I went down to round two um, interview Adam Keefe after the game on Saturday and straight round there was Blake and his mum yeah. you know, making the effort to come over despite the fact not being in great shape. Making the effort to come over to support the boys and I know I know the lads no doubt are given a bit of a boost by that because you know that's exactly what you want to see. A fellow like that a young lad like that, happy birthday to him fighting his way to get the to see his favourite team play and to see his favourite team take two overtime wins on the weekend. What better present is there? Happy birthday, Blake, from from all of us here at A View from the Bridge. Um, Davey, anything else? I do. I've got two pieces, Patrick. First one, um, I have to publicly acknowledge the guys that helped me with the stats. I could not do it without it. I know that Adam Keefe appreciates and I know Steve Thornton really appreciates. Simon, I don't know how much, but he gets them sent to him anyway. Joe um, Neal. Um, Poppy, uh, Harvey, who everyone knows here at A View From The Bridge, um, helps me out. Stevie Thompson, the rain man. Some of the stuff that guy puts together is unbelievable. But Phil Armstrong, Keelan Daly have came on this season. You know, they're modern face-off shots, all that stuff. And it takes a long time. It's a big commitment. Um, what they give me, they allow me to put a package together to send to the club every week is absolutely first class. I'd be surprised if club in the league is getting the detail and the package that we're able to send and we're just trying to give the club a point something of a percentage advantage you know it's uh, we're just doing it because we love this club uh we're very fortunate to give us the access to the to the tapes and all they allow us to do that and obviously that also helps us with the podcast that you know we'd be one of the podcasts that actually watch games but um the other thing that we'd like to uh, say is that obviously at the um at the testimonial last, at the testimonial quiz last night, Stephen Murphy announced his um, first. Well, not not his first. He's obviously announced previous, but last night he was able to announce that Paxton Schulte will be joining him on the ice um, at a little clap. Oh, a clap for Paxton Schulte. Oh, there's a clap. Paxton Schulte is coming back to Belfast, and it's thanks to the good list, Bridge. All those people have bought bricks, and Stephen Murphy. Has- club together um, and we're going to bring Paxton back and he's coming back for the testimonial you know we could have got Paxton back and he would have came to a game with a heart and a half he had signed everything going he had, had an absolutely great time to us. but why not why not get a shirt on him why not get him back on the ice where he belongs where he loves being you think you're going to put a smile on Paxton's face coming to Belfast imagine the smile he's going to have on face when he steps across that you know, from the rubber mat on the ice again. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Can't wait to see the big man, but can't wait to see him on the ice again. What numbers are you going to wear? He's not going to be on the same. 
<laughs> so I would say he'll get 27 kind of. He has to rip it off, Kendall McCall. And that's what's going to have to happen. <laughs> Anybody could else? We, could, we, could we see two 27s boxing center ice? You just oh, never know. You never know. Anybody else announced that night, says? Yep, Craig Peacock. Um, Craig Peacock's coming back to play in that game as well. You know, Peak spent, I think it was five seasons with uh, Murph playing at Belfast and he's playing with him at GB level as well. So um, I know he's not having an overly fantastic season again up in Glasgow. Long may that continue while he's not in a Belfast Giants uniform. Yep. So um, All-time leading franchise power play. Uh... Absolutely. You know, you, you tweeted out earlier on about young, uh, well, not young, he's not young anymore, Tom, uh, what do you call him? Carlin. Tom, Tom Carlin. Carlin. You know, oh, yes. once a giant, always a giant. So, Literally uh, once a giant. Literally um, once a giant. You know and I did a digging earlier on. Good idea of when he played for the Giants, and I, I'm pretty sure it was at the very end of January 2003. Or mm-hmm. sorry, yes, end of January 2004. Sorry, Four, yeah, the um, first first season in the league. <coughs> first season in the league, league. Rob Stewart, head coach. Yep, I think it was an away game at Coventry. Makes sense. Um, he, he was with the Telford Trojans. Him and his mate Adam Biddle. Um, mm-hmm. They came down for one game. I actually text Stewie. Before the before the podcast here and said a bit of a trivia question for you, but back when you are back in two thousand three two thousand and four, we had a couple of kids, Tom Carr and Adam Bittle, that came and uh, filled the bench for us. Where I think Colin Ward was out injured at the time with a lot of suspensions, and um, I think that was after Ruff had got hurt against the Stoke Bison as well in the big Donnybrook. Yeah, Jason oh, Bowen, yeah. I think, was hurt as well. Yeah. Colin Ward was out, so these kids came in to, to help them. Fill the bench up, and um, I, I said this to you about it. And he, he said he couldn't remember, <laughs> and I said uh, you were the coach, <laughs> and he was like, uh, "You know, Belfast put years on you." But uh, <laughs> you know, as you say, uh, the guys came in same season. Grant Taylor as well. He came in and played a few yeah. games for us as well. Um, but as he said, I see Tom has uh, replied to us on Twitter there saying literally his favourite hashtag ever, you know, once a, quite literally once a giant. Um, and But he was, and he goes down the stats. He actually sits 200 overall in, in terms of uh, of giants on the all-time leaderboard. Um, so not far from the bottom, but, uh, Good luck you know, Good luck he's, got, he's, he's got his name on the board. Yeah. Career, career, career highlight, no doubt. Um, you know, his, his name's on the board and Kuls, I'm sure of that. So, uh, no doubt. You know, fair play to him. Absolutely. Uh, right, we'll wrap it up there. Jensen, unless there's anything else. No? You know what? Yeah, there is. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I didn't get a chance to jump in there with Davey and get on about the um, the work uh-huh. that his team do for stats. He does go on a bit like the. Oh, uh, here. Wait till you listen to the podcast here first. Time. Shut up, you wee dick. No, I see. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it. You don't. You're the, uh, no, the I, I don't mind a bit. I will be listening. That's one person. The, um, you're what's it? Uh huh. Uh-huh. All right, so, come on, Sage. Come on, we'll wrap it up. I got stuff I'm to do. He keeps on, and he's the one who keeps on trying to get it over and running hard. I was just going to say a massive thank you to Davy's crew for doing all the stats. I do use them when I'm doing the podcast. Or sorry, when I'm doing the webcast. Um, but I, you know, a lot of people, when you're putting all this information together, I know for a fact that Adam pays particular attention to every single one of them that comes in because it's on the back of the door. The guys get it when they're, they're getting emailed about their different situations that are happening in the coming up, coming games. 
He does all of that, and he uses all those stats to put on to uh, an email for the guys and uh, whoever they're playing that night for the stats on the doors as well. So uh, it's um, uh, Davey's one hundred percent right. You know all the information that the um, uh, Poppy and Philip Keelan and obviously Phil the Rain Man, all the Steve. information they put, and Davey obviously. Uh, don't forget Joel, but all the information that they put in um, and all the time that they put in is absolutely massive uh, as volunteers of Belfast Chance. I think that's the word, volunteers. It just shows show how much volunteers make this club go round and round and, and help to help. You know, the lads on the ice are the key part. They're the guys that bring us the entertainment. They're the guys that bring us the wins. But the volunteer aspect of the club is a major one. And uh, a bit like ourselves and, and the stats guys and the guys that work at the actual rink and et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a real key part of the club. And long may I continue. Um, yeah, yeah. Right, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to Blair Riley, Adam Keith, Omar Pasha and Aaron Murphy. The free sports game of the week is Steelers against the Coventry Blaze, 7pm tonight. Um, the three games this weekend, like I said, Fife, Clan and Dundee, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, webcasts, probably for the Fife and the Dundee game. None for the clan game. So keep an eye out at AVFTB on Twitter. Try to keep you as much up to date with as much information as we possibly can. Thanks for everybody for their interaction on Twitter over the last couple of days. I know we had a lot of three word weekends. I just haven't had a chance to, to go and fish through them and, and put them into the podcast. But thank you very much for all of those. Don't forget, you've got until Friday to cast your vote for the player of the month of October. That's between Tyler Bresker, Owani, Blair, Riley, Josh Roach and Dustin Jonner. Um, find us on Twitter at AVFTB, Facebook, just search for Reviews from the Bridge. And of course, there's a lot of stuff on KingdomoftheGiants.com. There's SoundCloud.com forward slash AVFTB. We've got Instagram. We've got the works. So keep, uh, keep across our socials. Um, David and Simon, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Chance. Pleasure as always, boys. Wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy yourself, enjoy your hockey, especially if you're off to Scotland to follow the Belfast Giants. And we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Podcast Network.